Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're listening to Living Full Out with Nancy Soleri. As a successful motivational speaker and trusted life coach, Nancy knows how you can live the life you want regardless of the challenges you face. Although she's legally blind, Nancy's mission is to inspire others to overcome obstacles and live life full out. Call in at 800-333-0001 to ask Nancy for advice on topics such as relationships, finances, business, health, and more. Just call 800-333-0001. Once again, that's 800-333-0001. And now, here's Nancy. Thank you for joining us. I'm Nancy Soleri, and this is the Living Full Out Show. And today we're going to be talking about receiving feedback. We've all been in that place in our life when we wanted to get feedback. We asked for it. We seeked it because we needed a solution. We wanted a sounding board from our friends and our family. And then there's other times that people give us their feedback and we weren't asking for it. We don't expect it. We don't even want it. But how do you receive feedback in a way that will be constructive, in a way that will allow you to apply that, digest whether it's something you want to utilize, take action on or not, and then in, in turn actually do something with that feedback, whether you say, thank you, I'm not going to use it, or whether you apply it. Either way, that's what we're focusing on on today's show. We're going to be taking your callers shortly. The number to call in is 800-333-0001. Again, 800-333-0001. And in our next segment, we'll be joined by Austin Eubanks. He was actually a student back in April 20th, 1999, in the Columbine shootings. And he'll be telling us about what happened that day the loss of his best friend, and the addiction that occurred years afterwards as he tried to mask the pain of that day. So stay tuned for that interview. Also, we have um, several great shows that we've done in the past several months that we want to obviously share and make accessible for you. So if you want to hear this show or any of our past shows, go to livingfullout.com. Just click on the radio show tab and you can access all of them there. And we'd love to hear from you. If you're touched by today's show, feel free to reach out to us at connect at livingfullout.com. Again, connect at livingfullout.com. Or if you feel that you have an inspirational story that our audience would really be empowered by, then we'd love to hear from you and, and connect further on possibly bringing you on as a guest. So, so many ways in which we can connect with you and all together live our lives full out. We're going to go to the phone lines now and talk to one of our callers. Hello, welcome to Living Full Out Show. Hi, thank you for calling. Hello. Hi, how can I help you? Um, yes. Um, like, I tend to, like, want to do everything myself and don't really reach out to people for, like, help. Is there, like, Mm -hmm. something I could do to, like, pull myself out of this bad habit of mine? Well, let me ask you a question. Why do you do that? Or why do you think you do that? Um, I'm not sure. I just, maybe... It was because of, like, my family, because, like, they would always just try to, like, they would, like, they would not like it when I would ask for help and they get annoyed, probably. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, you, know, you know what the good news is? We, we don't pick our families, right? We're born into them. 
and mm-hmm. we're, we grow up with them. But as we get older and we mature and we start to build our own identity, you have the ability to ask for help whenever you want. So those same boundaries, that box you might have felt in when you were younger, as you get older here and as you move along, know that those boundaries don't exist. When you need help, ask for it. And the thing is, I want you to look at this in two different ways. When you need help, you're, you, it might be emotional support. It might be a physical need or, or a favor. You're uh-huh. giving someone else the opportunity to give to you. That will make them feel purposeful. That will make them feel like they're contributing. They're being a good friend. If you never reach out to people and you never ask for help, you never give those in your life the opportunity to make that difference. Do you see how that works? Oh, I never thought about it like that. Right. So the thing is, is, is we all want to feel like we make a difference, right? Like you feel good when you make a difference. Uh But, but Mm -hmm. if we don't give our friends that opportunity, I mean, being legally blind, which I am, I ask for my friends for help all the time. Can I get a ride there? Or can I, can you help me see what the computer says? Cause it doesn't say something, but people genuinely love to help. So what I say is, you know, if you need help, go for it. Just ask. You're your, you're your own person. And, and, and here going forward, you're not bound by your family's, uh, you know, boundaries. Okay. Uh Oh, okay. I get it. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Have a great day. Uh, you Thank too. you. Bye-bye. Thank you. So it's interesting because that last caller was getting feedback from his family. Don't ask for help. Shh, don't say anything. Don't, don't, don't do that. But really, I'm so glad he checked in into the show today because I think it'll really set him free to know that he can ask for help. And it's actually allowing him to allow somebody else in his life to make a difference. It all is a full circle thing. I promise you that. Uh, we're going to go back to the phone lines again and say hello to one of our callers. Welcome to the Living Full Out Show. Hi. Hi. Thank you for joining us. How can we help you today? I just have one question. Um, I'm currently a film student looking to start my career, but I've been really worried that I still don't have enough experience, especially competitive workforce. So any advice on ending this worry? Mm. Well, you know what? I mean, unfortunately, you, what you want to do is you want to take that worry and you want to take that nervous energy and make it work for you, right? Because do you yeah. remember in class when, you, when you're kind of worried that you might not have studied enough? You stay up all night long. You study, 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 right? It's yeah. the same thing here. You want to take that intensity, that desire to do well, become the, the professional that you want to be. Take that nervous energy and apply it. Get an internship. Shadow another professional in the industry. Read uh, books on how people got to where they are. Go ahead and create your own films. You know, utilize YouTube so that you can actually you know, create your own pieces of work. Start a blog. But now is the time that you take that nervous energy, those worries, and channel it into action. Do you see that? Yes, I do see that. Thank you. The only reason why you're worried is because you probably feel as though, you know, it's a big, big pond and you're a small fish. But don't ever think that because the thing is, is there's only one you in the world. So the films that you make are creative to you, to, to your vision, to your life experience. Okay. So I would go ahead and, and, and really dream big. 
you know, put down on paper all the, all the, uh, calls to action, all the ways in which you want to be an advocate for certain causes, maybe the type of films you want to put together. Are they emotional? Are they, are they, uh, action films? Are they documentaries? What are they? Allow yourself to dream. And then from there, once you take that list, either again, get an internship, shadow somebody who is doing what you want to do. Okay. That does. Yes. That does make it a little better. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Honestly. And you know what? I hear, I hear that your voice is lighter right now. Oh, my voice. Well, the thing is when you started the call, you were kind of heavy in the way you asked the question, kind of nervous, but now you're lighter. Now you're like, I got this, Nancy. I'm on it. Thank you. Take that confidence and, and do great things. You will. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You got it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Again, receiving feedback sometimes is what we want to hear. Sometimes it's not. I actually think that last caller is going to take that advice and go do great things. Sometimes we just have to be reminded of, you know, what's required to have our goals and our dreams come true. It's all possible. Now, it's interesting because our next guest, Austin Eubanks, again, he was uh, a student during the Columbine shooting. He, too, had a lot of feedback coming his way. You know, a lot of people were were invested in that time back in April 20th, 1999 in what was going on. And even today, we see school shootings occurring. And, and it seems like everybody has an opinion. At the end of the day, you have to remember where is your stance on things? What are your convictions? What is your outlook on the world? When people give you advice, when people make statements or comments, that's their truth. That's their opinion. That doesn't have to be yours. So just like our first caller who felt bound by his family's uh, need to not say things, you know, as adults, we have the ability to do what we want to do. I know in my own life, you know, I, I've had to kind of step out of my comfort zone for a long time. I, I didn't want people to know I was legally blind, believe it or not. That was kind of a tough one to fake, <laughs> um, but I would do my best. But then over time, I had people say to me, you know, Nancy, you don't have to pretend. You don't have to like not let us know that you're visually impaired. We want to help you. Um, we think, you know, you're inspiring, whatever. Everybody has their own story and you have yours. Let that shine. Okay. And we're, and feel free to stay with us through this entire show. We have a lot coming up, but we'll be coming right back after this break with Austin Eubanks, again, sharing a very emotional, but yet long journey with addiction. And uh, again, this is Nancy Soleri with the Living Full Out Show. We'll be back. Glad you enjoyed it, but I think it's time to head back in. Okay. Can we come back? Sure. Tomorrow? <laughs> Let's check with Mom. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Just make sure you have everything. Yep. 
Can we walk home? Yeah, how about a taxi? 233 North Maple, please. It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Also, find fun activities to do like boating and biking or camping and hiking. Plus, much more. It's all right in your naturehood. Best day ever. A public service announcement brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. Don't you wish that getting your child to eat right, move more, and spend less time in front of a screen could be as easy as pushing a button? It might not be that simple, but you do have more power than you know. And you can maximize that power with proven strategies, tips, and tools from the National Institutes of Health's We Can, or Ways to Enhance Children's Activity and Nutrition program. We Can offers all kinds of resources, including fun recipes and activities the family can do together to show you the way to live a healthier lifestyle. We're not saying it's easy. We are saying that it can be done. Take the first step today. Call 1-866-359-3226 for a free We Can Parents Handbook. And be sure to visit the We Can website at wecan.nhlbi.nih.gov for free information, too. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Today, my new dad and I shot off a rocket in the park. Today, my new son and I failed to shoot off a rocket. He knew exactly what to do. I had no clue what I was doing. We set up the rocket. We set up the rocket. Hit ignition. Hit ignition. And then... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then nothing. <laughs> Sometimes I laugh when I'm frustrated. Then out of nowhere, the rocket launched into the air. The rocket did get into the air. I've never seen anything fly so high. And then crashed into a kite. Look out! Look out! And then the pond. I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that day, even if I tried. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of kids in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I liked things to always be the same. Anything new or different would scare and upset me. I was very sensitive to lights and sounds. It was almost like I had bigger eyes and ears than everyone else. So I built secret hiding places where nothing could get in. I didn't like looking people in the eye. 
It made me feel uncomfortable. I'd throw big tantrums over little things like when my socks didn't match. Sometimes I'd do the same things over and over until one day I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. You can see signs of autism in children as young as 18 months. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You're listening to Living Full Out with Nancy Soleri. A professional motivational speaker, Nancy can help you overcome obstacles and start living full out. Call in with questions live at 800-333-0001. Once again, that's 800-333-0001. And now, here's Nancy. Welcome back to the Living Full Out Show. I am Nancy Soleri, and today we're talking about receiving feedback. And sometimes we need feedback. We need support. We need attention. We need to be taken care of, especially in times of grief. And I want to start in with our inspirational guest today, Austin Eubanks. Um, He was a student at the Columbine School uh, when there was the shootings back in April 20th, um, 1999. And I say that to you with sadness because that was such a a tough day for for everybody in our country uh, to watch what unfolded. So to have Austin here to share with us his story about that day as well as years of addiction afterwards, is one that we all want to listen in very closely because there's a lot of good lessons to learn. So I'd like to welcome Austin to the show. Hey, Nancy. How are you? Hi, Austin. Thank you for being here. Um, you know, obviously, it's it's just a tough day to talk about, and I I admire your courage for being on the show today and, and in memory of, of all your friends that were lost. But um, can you take us back to that day? Um, and kind of share with us, you know, before the shootings had even started, just kind of what you knew and then what unfolded. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you uh, for giving me the opportunity to to share. Um, obviously, a, a very traumatic day. It was uh, it was a beautiful April day in in Colorado. The weather had started to warm up, and um, I remember I was uh, meeting. I met my best friend in the hallway, who was uh, Corey DePooter. Um, and we walked into the library to meet some friends for lunch. Um, and I remember we were sitting at a table with uh, three other guys and trying to decide whether or not we wanted to go play golf or go fishing after uh, after school. And uh, Corey was actually the first person at the table to, to say, it sounds like gunshots. And I remember um, all of us just kind of writing it off. You know, we were at school. It was it was a safe place, and nobody could ever imagine that it actually was a gunshot. So we assumed it was just construction or something of that regard. Uh, and it was a few minutes after he said that uh, that Patty Nielsen ran in the front of the library screaming for everybody to get under the tables. And I remember... Um, standing up, actually. Corey and I both stood up, and, and uh, we were kind of looking around, figuring out what to do, and none of it made sense. You know, is, is, this, is this a movie? Is something being filmed? Is this a prank? What is going on? And so um, we started to walk around the library just trying to figure out what to do next and continued to hear the gunshots. And um, a lot of people will recall back on the 911 tape that was played so frequently of Patty Nielsen, and, and she screams on that tape, everybody get under the tables right now. And she was actually looking directly at Corey and I because we were the last two standing in the library. 
And so we um, chose to get under a table and do as we were told and uh, got under a table with two students who we didn't know um, and waited. And I remember Corey was kind of the, the voice, you know, telling everybody to be calm, that, that the police were going to be there. Um, and it wasn't but 10 minutes after that that Corey was dead. Um, he, uh, they came into the library and, and continued to shoot from section to section, and Corey was actually the last person who died in the shooting that day. Um, and I was shot as well. And uh, life changed after that, <laughs> for, for lack of a better term. So. Yeah, you know, it's... Um... It's just a wild. You're right. I mean, that should be a safe place. And, uh, you know, it, it, we have to, unfortunately, in this day and age today, with so many other shootings that have occurred, kind of be ready, be on the defensive and offensive, you know, just just prepared for whatever could be. And so, you know, we're learning from you, unfortunately, on, on how that happened. Um, and, and I'm sorry for Corey's loss, of course. Um, and I, I remember at one time you and I talked, and one of the reasons why you think you were saved was you, you did play dead that day. You just kind of fell to the ground and hoped that they did. didn't come back to you. Yeah, I, I mean, you don't really know what to do in, in a situation like that. And it, it, you just, you know, it was really all I knew to do. Um, and so, yeah, they, they after they fired um, under our table, um, you know, all, immediately knew uh unfortunately that, that Corey was dead uh, just because of the the fashion in, in which he was hit um mm. I, I was uh, shot as well in my left knee and my right hand and I actually didn't even know that I was shot in my left knee until I tried to stand up because there was so much adrenaline that uh you know everything was moving in slow motion but I remember just laying there and uh and playing dead and it wasn't um you know it was, it was probably two or three minutes um, after after Corey was killed that they left the library and I started to hear commotion um, of people moving around and peeked out from under the table and everybody was getting up to, to run out the back door and and I followed and, and, and did the same. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm glad you did that. I'm so glad you did that. Um, obviously, that day unfolded. We all watched it on TV. Um, and, and what was the, the level of care that you got in the days following from your school, from your parents? Yeah, so it, at that time, you know, it, it, I'm sure most of the listeners remember Columbine. Stuff like that didn't happen. <laughs> it, mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't like it is today, and it's really unfortunate, you know, what's, what's transpired. But um, nobody really knew exactly what to do, but everybody wanted to help. So I remember help being readily accessible, but it not being very organized. And so um, when I left the library that day, it was, uh, you know, I, I went to, was taken to a triage area um, and ultimately taken to a hospital. And within, um, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of, of being shot, I was on um, a variety of different medications. I was on a medication that was given for obviously the pain um, plus something for uh, shock. I remember cause I was, I was in shock and, uh, and then from that point forward, I was really medicated, and that was the pivotal moment for me where I learned to manage emotional pain with substances, um, regardless of whether or not those were prescription or eventually turned to um, illicit substances as well. Um, but up until that point, I had never never drank a beer, never smoked weed. I was 17 years old, um, and mm -hmm. addiction just wasn't a thing. It wasn't prevalent in my family. It wasn't prevalent in my friend group. Um, and so 
with all of the help that was accessible to me, you know, therapists and counselors and psychiatrists, um, they couldn't really reach me therapeutically because I was medicated. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was taking a large quantities of pain pills and uh, eventually turned to, to anti-anxiety medication, benzodiazepines as well. Um, so that, that combination effectively just turned me into a robot and I wasn't able to uh, go through the stages of grief that, that uh, somebody would who was not medicated. Well, I know, I know there's, you know, so much more to this beginning of your addiction here. And so we're going to take a short break and come back, Austin. So if you can just kind of stay with us. Um, but so much more in his story, so many lessons to take in. Everybody, this is the Living Full Out Show with Austin Eubanks. We'll be right back. You're listening to Living Full Out with Nancy Soleri. There are many sounds in your day-to-day life. There are sounds that wake you up. Sounds that make you smile. Sounds that energize you. And sounds that help you relax. But there are some sounds that can alert you to danger and can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts, now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you information about severe weather events, amber alerts, or other emergencies in your area. With critical information from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know, wherever you are. For more information, visit ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Keyboard Cat, Hamilton the Pug, and Toast Meets World. These are some of the Internet's most beloved pets. With millions of YouTube views, shares, Instagram likes, followers, and fans across the globe. But what do all these amazing pets have in common? Their stories started in a shelter. Start your story. Adopt a dog or cat today. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a shelter or adoptable pets near you. Training that pet to play the keyboard? Well, (laughs) that's entirely up to you. Visit theshelterpetproject.org and hear more about Hamilton the Pug, Toast, and Keyboard Cat's amazing adoption stories. Start a story. Adopt a shelter or rescue pet today. Your perfect pet is just a click away at theshelterpetproject.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. 
When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could be. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Come and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. What if I could tell you that a full-blown wildfire was going to occur tomorrow right where you live? Tell you exactly which neighborhoods it would engulf and how fast it would do it. The first thing you would do is talk with your loved ones and make a plan today. It's true. I can't tell you a wildfire will strike tomorrow. But shouldn't you make a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. You're listening to Living Full Out with Nancy Soleri. As a trusted life coach, Nancy will help you overcome setbacks and embrace all life has to offer. Call in with questions live at 800-333-0001. Once again, that's 800-333-0001. And now, here's Nancy. Thank you for joining us. This is the Living Full Out Show. I'm Nancy Soleri. And today we're talking about receiving feedback. And we're going to be joining our inspirational guest for today, Austin Eubanks, again. He was a student um, when the Columbine shootings occurred on April 20th, 1999. And in our last segment, he did share with us about that day and, and the tragedy of losing his best friend, Corey. But now he's sharing with us about the addiction that started to develop the days, months, years afterwards. Uh, So I'd like to welcome Austin back to the show. Hi, thanks. Hi, Austin. Hi. So, you know, we're talking today about receiving feedback and you were you people were trying to reach out to you, those therapists, those counselors, your, your family, your parents, everybody. But, you know, the 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 drugs were starting to kind of take over. You know, they they had kind of took you to a different place. And I remember you telling me that you were homeschooled after the shootings. You had that ability. And, you know, do you think that that helped you? Did that hurt you? I know you started to run with a different crowd. It just seemed like you were out of your element. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the intent was was uh, very well meant. So every all of the injured uh, 
survivors of the shooting were allowed an, uh, an option to continue um, their studies at Columbine High School but have a private tutor bring the work to your house. And so she came for two hours a day, three days a week. And so my total commitment to having a, you know, a structured school environment my senior year was six total hours a week. And that really uh, afforded me the freedom to start acting out in my addiction. Um, and uh, like you like you said, I, I fell into a, a friend group that really supported that. It was life in the fast lane. I started to rebel from my parents. Um, I started staying out all night, not obeying curfew. Um, and it really added fuel to the fire, having that low accountability. Um, from there, you know, it, it, symptoms just continued to worsen until um, I was at a point where I was basically pushing everybody in my life away who truly wanted the best for me. And everybody who supported my destructive behaviors was now my best friend. Those are the people that I wanted around me. And, um, and, what, and, was the, and, what, was, and what was the drug of choice? I mean, what were you taking during this time? Or what, what were all the things that you were taking? Yeah, so pretty consistent for me throughout my life, it was opiates. Um, so opiate, opiate medication, pain medication. Um, with that, um, I would, I would also abuse Adderall. Um, and that was something that was pretty consistent. And then, uh, Xanax. So benzodiazepines. And those were really the three substances that controlled my life day in and day out. Now with that, I was, I started to drink in excess. I started to abuse street drugs as well. So there's a lot of things that went along with those behaviors for me, but at the core of it, it was really prescription addiction. Um, and, you know, I learned very early on with, with the story that I just shared um, how to manipulate doctors ultimately to be able to get what I wanted. Um, and it took me a very, very long time to really break down that false core belief that I need these substances in order to function. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, I had very, very little awareness of what addiction was. And so from my perspective at that age, in, in my late teens and early 20s, all I knew was that I was initially prescribed substances by somebody who had a phenomenal amount of education to make me mm -hmm. feel better, and they were very mm -hmm. much working. Uh, so I had no idea the effect that, that opiate medication had on emotional pain and that it was more effective on emotional pain than it was for physical pain. However, you're not supposed to use it for that. <laughs> So, you know, and, you know, the, and with the opiates kind of masking over everything, I mean, you're still trying to digest everything. And I'm sure there's times that you missed Corey. I'm sure that you were depressed. I mean, did the opiates make you feel um, more sad or did they make you feel like I got this handled? I'm over it. Everybody get on with your lives. What was your attitude? Well, I think it's a short term solution. So it's definitely not mm -hmm. a fix, but in the, in the sh for the short period of time um, where you know, oh my God, I, I'm being overcome with this emotion. I'm going to take this pill and I'm going to and I'm going to fix it. So it's definitely mm -hmm. it worked for a short term solution. However, the long term it was incredibly detrimental because not only did I become physically dependent upon these substances, I was never fully um, able to process that grief. And so you know, it was it was very much later on uh, in, in my attempts at recovery before I was actually going through the stages of grief that I should have been processing at age 17 and age 18. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's definitely not a solution, but it is a short-term mm -hmm. fix for sure. Well, and you, you mentioned several attempts at, you know, therapy and recovery and all of that. You know, what, what, what was it that finally got through to you? Gosh, 
you know, it, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it was, but it was, it was, yeah, multiple attempts at recovery. I, I went to residential treatment on several occasions, and um, throughout my 20s, my behavior was just so erratic and impulsive that I, I you know, I, trouble, trouble in my relationships, trouble really across, you know, holding down a job, all aspects of my life. Um, and with that, there was always an element of, of criminal conduct. You know, I was I was acquiring drugs via illegal methods. I was um, oftentimes stealing to be able to acquire these substances. And so I was on probation off and on through a lot of my 20s. And I was I remember 29 years old. It was April 2nd, 2011. I had gone to a baseball game. It was opening day for the Rockies downtown Denver. And I woke up in jail the next morning and I had absolutely no recollection of how I got there. Uh, at that point, I was I was estranged from my my wife. Uh, I had two young sons, and I remember opening my eyes at tw- age 29 and saying to myself, "If I don't figure this out, I'm going to die. I'm going to either die or I'm going to end up making a decision that I can't come back from that winds me in you know ends me in in prison for the rest of my life." And so mm-hmm. at, at that point, I had a level of willingness that I never had before in my life. And so I remember going to treatment that time and I sat down in my therapist's office and I said, just tell me how to walk, tell me how to talk and I will do it. I'm done fighting this fight. I have no ability to manage my life. Um, and if I don't figure this out, I'm going to die. I will literally do whatever it takes. If you tell me to stand on my head for you know three hours a day, then that's what I'm going to do until I figure this out. And, you know, I'm happy to report that, that uh, my long-term sobriety date is April 2nd, 2011. So that, that morning that I woke mm. up in jail and opened my eyes, I never went back to using alcohol or drugs. So, Well, congratulations to that. That is big because, you know, life stresses pop up and it's tempting to want to have a drink or to do that. So to not, to, to have that that stamina and, and just the confidence is, is awesome, Austin. That's great. Absolutely. I'm just curious, Absolutely. though, you know, part of part of living full out is being able to enjoy life, to laugh, to love, to feel free that, that anything is possible. But how do you, how did you allow yourself to go to a better place, the place where you are today, with so much anger about Columbine, losing Corey, all the time that was lost to these drugs, how do you how do you square that circle for yourself in recovery? Well, I think that for me, I have so much gratitude around where my life is at today. Um, you know, not mm-hmm. not only in my own personal recovery, but being able to give back to others who are seeking recovery um, because of what I've been able to do for myself is so incredibly rewarding that I think you know you go through a process, and so definitely you know. As I described, at age 29, I was still going through the stages of grief and, and dealing with the, the survivor's guilt and the anger that I had towards the perpetrators. And I was processing all of that. But eventually you get to a place with it where it's okay, you know? And, and that doesn't mean that I've forgiven. I, I, I'm a person who believes that some things are just unforgivable. And, and I, I will never get to a point where I, I will say, you know, that I have forgiven the perpetrators. Um, However, I'm in a place with it where I can use the experiences that I had that adversely affected me for so many years to help others. And, and you know, that's, that's what I'm doing now. I'm sharing my story. I'm, I'm talking about trauma in relation to addiction. Um, and I'm hopeful that other people um, might catch a spark of hope from what I'm sharing and, and seek help for themselves because it's out there and, and it's mm-hmm. possible. 
what you know with people who are in addiction there's always going to be those people who are in their family or their their wife their boyfriend their girlfriend you name it who is beside them who maybe taunts i'm gonna leave maybe they do leave then they come back maybe they don't know what to do what should the friends and families the supporters of the person in addiction do because at some point it really comes down to the addict needing to make their own change but you can make threats all you want but what do you do that's a great question, and I, I, I wish that there was, a, you know, a one-size-fits-all answer for that, but there's really not, and, and it's, it's always going to be contingent upon the individual, and it's going to be contingent upon the family dynamic, and, and oftentimes the friend dynamic, too. So I think for a lot of people, no matter what, you have to have a catalyst for change. Nobody will change anything in their life unless something promotes that change. You, you know, you want to change because either something is bad or because you want to make something better. Um, and so that has to be there. You have to have that inspiration. Nobody can, can change for others. But I think initially, very early on, families can come together and be supportive and oftentimes help create that catalyst for a person. Now, if that's been attempted on a few occasions and the person still isn't responding to that, I think there comes a time in everybody's life where the people who are supportive really need to detach. And um, that's what can allow uh, the addicted individual to finally realize, hey, look, everybody in my life, whoever loved me and cared about me, has set this boundary saying that we can no longer be around you because of how destructive your behaviors are. And that takes them to a new rock bottom. And and oftentimes mm. that's what creates that's what creates the bounce for people. So it's oh. It, the rock, the, the, the infamous rock bottom. Yes, we all know. We've all heard of that. Um, well, right. Austin, you know what? You know, your words of encouragement are, are perfect and they're spot on with, with receiving feedback today. The show we have, um, we have to wrap up the interview now. But, you know, I'm just, you are a miracle. I'm so glad that day that you were saved because you're doing great work today. So I uh, want to thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank you so much, Nancy. It was a pleasure being here. Wonderful. Thanks, Austin. Have a good day. Thank you. You as well. And, and that was Austin Eubanks. Again, a powerful story. You definitely want to go back and hear that again. Lots of lessons there to be taken in. Uh, this is the Living Full Out Show. I'm Nancy Solari. We're going to be coming right back in the next segment, taking your calls. Again, it's all about receiving feedback, just being open to change. Just like Austin said, we'll be back. Jason, I've got to tell you, you're pretty much everything this company is looking for in an entry-level candidate. Great. Your resume isn't quite what we're used to, but you've got a fantastic work ethic. Thank you. And I'm impressed by how you carry yourself. So, should we talk about the job? Uh, what? The job? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I have no way of recruiting or even meeting you. This interview didn't happen. It may sound ridiculous, and that's because it kind of is. There's a huge pool of talent your company is missing out on. Meet the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. 
an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Man, we really could have used him. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. The following message is about Medicaid and CHIP, free or low-cost health coverage for kids and teens. Enrollment is open year-round. Hey, voice lady, give me the mic. Um, okay. Hey, DJ, let's switch up the music. That's better. So listen up, moms and dads out there. There are these programs called Medicaid and CHIP. They offer free or low-cost health coverage for kids. Things like doctor and dentist visits, prescriptions, and shots are covered. All the stuff that keeps kids like me healthy and in charge. So, as you can tell, a covered kid is a confident kid. And it means confident parents, too. To learn more about affordable health coverage for your family, visit healthcare.gov or call 1-877-KIDS-NOW. That's 1-877-543-7669. Yep, you could do something big for your family today because enrollment is open year-round. This has been a message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And Sophia. They're going to jump out of trees. You can't stop them. They'll go down the slide head first. They'll make parachutes out of sheets. They'll balance on things that are impossible to balance on, like the back of a couch or a windowsill or a scooter seat. They'll run with sharp objects. They'll run into walls. They'll climb things that won't hold their weight. They'll put their fingers in places where they could get smashed. They'll drive their tricycles down steep hills. They'll bounce balls off their faces. They'll step on each other. They'll jump on each other. They'll invent whole new ways to put themselves in jeopardy. But one of the most dangerous things kids will do happens while they're sitting perfectly still. Kids who ride in a car without a booster seat are much more likely to suffer serious or fatal injury during a crash than kids in boosters. But amazingly, 80% of all kids who need them aren't in them. After a toddler seat and until they're four foot nine, booster kids. And don't let them down. Go to BoosterSeat.gov to learn more about the importance of boosters. A message from the U.S. Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. Hey, Nick Cannon here. So we all know we've got a lot of talent in America. But unfortunately, there's something else we've got way too much of. Childhood hunger. 17 million kids struggle with it in this country. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gather surplus food to give hope to hungry kids and their families. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. We are your pets, and this song's dedicated to those people who don't have health insurance yet. Enroll, we say, we want you to be okay. Enroll, we say, take care, people, for goodness sake. Health insurance is now affordable. and covers prescriptions, hospitalizations, and preventive care. Visit GetCoveredAmerica.org to learn more. And take care, people. Brought to you by Get Covered America and the Ad Council. To live full out means that you receive feedback in your life. You're willing to take what people give you and and digest it, really analyze whether or not the feedback you're receiving is useful to help propel you to move forward in your life or whether you might need to massage it, change it a bit, really allow yourself to point yourself in the direction to live full out. Receiving feedback is a choice. You can accept it or not. Either way, remember that it's your choice to live full out.
You're listening to Living Full Out with Nancy Soleri. As a certified life coach, Nancy can help you to overcome challenges and start living full out. Call in with questions live at 800-333-0001. Once again, that's 800-333-0001. And now, here's Nancy. Okay, welcome back to the Living Full Out Show. I'm Nancy Soleri, and we're in the final segment here, and we'll be taking your call shortly. Again, that number is 800-333-0001. Today we're talking about receiving feedback and how to do that. Again, sometimes we like what people tell us, sometimes we don't. How do you take that in and really apply it to your life in a positive way? Uh, we're going to go join our next caller here and see how they're doing and how we can help them. Welcome to the Living Full Out Show. Hi. Hi, thank you for calling. What's going on? Right. Um, so my question uh, is, I have recently been coming out to family and friends. And um, my best friend's family, um, who I consider a second family to me, they're from uh, Iraq and they moved here back in the 80s. So a lot of their worldviews and um, influences are still from that country. And I don't know whether or not I should tell them or keep it from them. You know, it's a great question. You, here's the thing. When you come out, and, and really throughout our entire life, we're just trying to find our voice, right? We're trying to finally feel free. And if you have yeah. to walk on eggshells or tippy-toe around to appease other people's beliefs or other people's feelings, you're not really living your truth. And so do do you get that? Do you feel that? It's almost like I'm telling you what you all, I feel I'm telling you what you already know, right? It's just a matter of, exactly, exactly. And it's scary because no one wants to be rejected. Nobody wants to be, you know, be told they can't be or do anything. But at the same time, I would take that risk, not on your friendship or not to appease your friend's family. But I would take that risk for yourself because we only have today. We don't have tomorrow. There's no promises of tomorrow. So you want to live every minute of your life with that freedom, loving yourself. But it's okay to take their feedback. So chances are you're going to tell them. They're probably going to have their own convictions, their own thoughts. I would take it in. But at the same time, it doesn't really matter because it's your life. And this friend of yours, chances are you'll be friends forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. However, sometimes you guys might be pulled apart. You guys might grow apart. You know, you guys, you know, so many friends of of mine, I don't talk to them all the time. Maybe even for several years, I don't talk to them. I pick up the phone and it's like, we just talked the other day. Right. So I don't want you to limit. I don't want you to limit yourself or limit your growth because of somebody else's parents. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I just don't want to lose the relationship. I mean, my best friend, she already knows. It's just her family doesn't know. Here's what you could do. You could, I mean, you could write them all individual letters or emails. Personalize it. Okay. Personalize that coming, personalize that coming out to them. And the reason why I suggest that is because each of them might, you know, might need a, a different way to tell them. Um, and you might be able to give them examples or share with them, remember when, and maybe it'll make sense why you're coming out or, or I'm kind of like so-and-so, or I feel this way. See, 
whether somebody's a man or a woman, whether they have uh, certain cultural beliefs or religious beliefs, you might talk to them slightly differently. So another method would be to maybe write them emails or write them a letter and customize it. Okay. Yeah. You know, is that something you can do? Yeah, that sounds good. Does that sound? Okay. Okay. I mean, here's the thing. I'm not saying that you have to go out and, you know, ruffle those feathers now, but at the same time, you sound awesome. Like your friend's very lucky to have you in their life, but I, I would hate to see you limit who you are to, because, because of the fear of them leaving you. Sometimes in life, you just have to take that risk because what if they let, what if they love you anyway? What if even after a week of, of denial or whatever goes on, when maybe they're upset, whatever, what if after that week or after that month, it all blows over and they still love you anyway? Think of all that time that you would have wasted walking on those eggshells. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know? All right. Yeah. Well, go out there, go out there, live full out. I, I, I honestly, I think actually writing those letters might be really great, P- really personalized yeah, to think- each person. Yeah, I think they would like that, actually. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be a nice, sincere way to do it. So I believe in you, and uh, just believe in yourself, okay? All right, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Receiving feedback is so difficult because it's one of those things where we're scared. We're scared that we're going to get rejected. We're scared that uh, people are going to be angry at us. We might lose people. But life is, like I always say, it's meant to be lived. And you got to ante up in life. you got to be willing to put your cards on the table and say, this is who I am. This is what I believe in. Because, again, if we don't have tomorrow, you really want to maximize today. You want to smile. You want to laugh. You want to, you know, do all the things that bring you joy. And that's one of the things that this show is about. It's about motivation to move you forward. I want to thank everybody who helps to put the show together, Mindy and Samantha and Debbie and Rich and everybody who called in today and especially our inspirational guest, Austin Eubanks. Today was a great show and here's to you living your life full out. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week.